Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. So am I feeling fair or am I feeling mean? I think I'm feeling mean. Uh, Warren Ingram, let's play a numbers game. Uh, the number is 133,230. What does it represent? It's um, not my bank balance, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's the 1% of taxpayers who pay 29% of all personal income taxes in South Africa. Just 133,230 people earn enough to pay nearly a third of all personal income taxes. That's quite a scary low number, isn't it? It's frightening. It's frightening because that's uh, that's also the part of the population that is most vulnerable to uh, to to immigration. And you know, if if that if that uh, a trend that continues, then then that's a third of our tax base gone. And it you know, it's not good enough to say uh, people just assume that. If they leave, someone else will take their place because they leave with intellectual property, uh, liquid capital, uh, and and know-how and connections that you know can't just be replaced. So it is. It's a frightening number. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a terrifying number. But anyway, listen. Let's focus on the personal finance aspects of the budget speech in 2022. What leapt out at you, other than no tax increases, no VAT increase, no fuel increases in terms of the road accident levy, and of course in terms of the uh, of the of the levy on fuel? Um, some some pretty good news in that front. A bit of a move in the tax brackets. There were a couple of positive things. Absolutely, and I think it, it sounds like a strange one to, to start with, but to me the 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 news on the drop in corporate tax rates is is enormous. It's it's a it's a huge piece of news. The 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 actual amount that we're going to save, uh, I mean, you know, as taxpayers, isn't as big as one would think. But what what I do believe is it sends an incredible signal that. Uh, the, the mindset of of you know the last ten years before this that you know business is the enemy, uh, you know investing uh, in shares and earning dividends and you know generating profits is a bad thing. I think that that we're seeing that that's in the past, and and what we are seeing now is an understanding business is a partner, business is a creator of jobs, and and business needs to be you know incentivized. And I think for, for me it was a huge signal. So so I, I, re- I really enjoyed that. All of us, as uh, in, in one form or another, are shareholders of businesses. Whether we buy you know, shares directly or we own them in our retirement funds, uh, you know, somewhere along the line, we, we are going to benefit from this. And I think it's not the last drop we will see. So I, I think it's a very big signal, and and will be very well received by by markets over time. Obviously, there are a few other issues going on now that that, that detract from that. Sure, um, but I mean, this isn't also. Yeah. I mean, this, what's important here is this isn't the first time it's been mooted. Tito Boeni mooted it and said we're going to do it from twenty twenty two twenty three, um, and the fact that Iro Kodongwana, under quite stiff pressure, has stuck with that promise is the strongest signal to my mind that this is a guy who's actually deadly serious about supporting the president's dream of a turnaround. Uh, absolutely, Bruce. And I also think, uh, you, you know, we, we need to t- uh, look at this as a wider signal. You know, this is not um, a personality-driven thing. You know, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that Tito Mbweni didn't come up with this policy on his own uh, and, and certainly wasn't endorsed, you know, by cabinet on, on, on their own. Uh, I think that this is a, a big signal of, of a change in thinking. And, and the fact that the new finance minister, you know, carries it on, uh, to, to me, we should, we should be very careful of, of attaching this, you know, to, to individuals here because it's telling us that, that, you know, on a broader level, 
uh, you know, yes, there might be the, the, the radical economic transformation segment within the ANC, but there, there are clearly some, some market friendly, I almost want to say rational voices, but, um, you know, have, you know, kind of taking hold there and, and moving policy in a good direction. And I think, you know, that, that's the, the, the signal for me, you know, out of, out of this whole budget. There is some other good news. I'll get to that, but, but I do think that that's, uh, Signal-wise, we need to read the signals, and and that wasn't just a smoke signal. That was a very clear shining light on 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 our path forward. Can I add to your signals? Just in listening to Dondo Mohojane talking to us on the radio last night, I felt like I could have been speaking to the finance minister. Um, the alignment is that strong. The 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 script is that clear, and they're sticking to that same script. Absolutely, and I and, and I think we you know we we'll, we'll see. More action, you know. I, th- I think the fact that you know, in theory, we're weeks away from the the the, the spectrum auction, that we're a couple of weeks longer away from from seeding, uh, you know, rolling stock on railway lines, uh, you know, those are kind of unheard of. Uh, not not so much the, the the broadband spectrum, but but rolling stock on on, on transnet lines that are owned by private people, and private companies. You know, that that's that's massive. We and and to hear the finance minister. In a Q and A, say uh, you know, ESCOM must consider and should actually sell power stations. You know, if if he, if he actually did say that, I I can't say I was sitting there to hear him say it, but that's what I've read. Uh, it, it, we're seeing a dramatic turnaround in in policy, and 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 I, I'm I'm repeating the phrase: it's rational, uh, you, you know, driven logic, driven policy rather than ideology, which sometimes to me just seems completely irrational. So I'm. Um, I, th- I think I saw a video with you saying that this is, uh, you know, the summary of the budget is this was a great budget and I couldn't agree more. Unfortunately, I hate agreeing with you, but, but, but we're there. <laughs> it, it is a great budget. Uh, again, under the circumstances, great budget. Under the circumstances, there's a caveat to everything. Now, talk to me about the good news bits that you did see in the budget. I've got a biggie and I'm sure you'll pick up on it. So, so the, the biggest sign for me is that we are seeing a further relaxation of exchange controls. And I, w- I want to start with that because... Uh, that you know, people are going to say, but hang on, I can only still send out my one million a year travel or ten million a year discretionary allowance. But but in scale, where we've seen massive relaxation of exchange controls is is the amendment to Regulation Twenty Eight. Regulation Twenty Eight says you know determines how much of our money we can invest locally and abroad in our retirement funds, how much we can invest in cash, bonds, property, etc. And the amendment there is to effectively increase our offshore allocation from 30% to 35%. And, and you know, that might sound like a small number until you realize how big pension funds are. And, 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 and so to give pension funds the capacity to increase that, again, you know, using your phrase, under the circumstances, is a huge move. And I think it's again not going to be the last move. So, so for me, that's a that is a big, you know, that that we we suddenly getting in a position where if you add the Africa exposure, uh, you know, pension funds can invest forty five percent of their assets out of South Africa, add in all the rand hedge shares, in, you know, on, on the JSE, and and it's very possible that you know someone in a retirement fund in South Africa could have you know fifty or seventy percent of their assets effectively spread across the globe, and and it it sends a massive signal again because. It's not long ago that we were having to, to say on shows like this, you know, prescribed assets is very likely not going to happen. You know, it's, it's a big kind of smoke signal. That's not true. Uh, you know, d- don't worry about it. Uh, you know, it's not going to happen. Here we are in a position where we, we, we don't have uh, bad news of new exchange controls. What we've got is, is a relaxation. It's, it's another major signal in, in a time where, where uh, we, you know, we need to take these signals seriously. And, and I think the other one for me w- w- would be, 
the, the, the finance minister saying, we're pretty much at the capacity of what we can uh, tax our, our population, even the one percenters. And in fact, what we need to do is when we've got capacity, actually reduce tax rates for individuals as well. I think that was what I read between the lines. Yep. And understanding that we, we need to be more globally aligned. And, and I think that that's a, another major signal. There's also a quid pro quo, though. Let's, I don't want to get all misty and doughy-eyed over the fact that, yes, Regulation 28 has been relaxed in exchange controls. That's all brilliant. But there's another, there was one line in the speech which um, leapt out at me, and it was one about talking to the asset management industry about in investing in infrastructure. This is not going to be compulsory. This isn't um, going to be uh, in terms of prescribed assets, but it is a signal that government says, okay, you want more offshore exposure? Absolutely. But you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. We need you to invest in infrastructure. And I've got no doubt that the asset management industry in South Africa will do it on favorable terms, but that is the, the sort of, I suppose, the payback of greater global exposure. Uh, I, I, I take the point, and I, I'm, I'm not going to argue I agree with you, but I think it, it, there needs to be a little bit of context to that, which is that, that there, are, there are lots of us, and I'm, I'm saying us because I'm one of those people, that, that would absolutely love to invest in quality infrastructure in South Africa. Uh, I have no problem putting money into into projects that will that will generate a good income. You know, I, I can't think of anything more productive to me, for example, than you know, putting my money into something which creates jobs, which which actually multiplies the economic impact of the country, and at the same time is paying me, you know, eight or ten percent a year uh, return. I think the, the the pension funds are desperate for 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 high quality income streams that they can use to pay their pensioners. And and so they've been. It's, this is not a one-way street. This is not just government sort of, um, you know, forcing it down their throat. What, what pension funds have been saying is, give us bankable projects, and that was the, that's the key phrase here. Give us bankable projects that we can co-invest in with with you as government, or invest in our own. And and you know, we in infrastructure in our country, we would love to do it as long as we can see the merits of the projects, and it's not just money down the black hole. And and I think that. You know that, that that on its own could be another major big economic multiplier. So, so I, I see what you're saying, Bruce. But I, I'm I'm going to maybe just choose to read it positively because I I think it was we'll give you this and we'll give you that. It wasn't just we'll give you this, but we're going to take this away. I, I I concur. I do concur. But I just did see that as the the quid pro quo. Before we move on to um, Ronald's question this evening, any more quick sort of uh, upsides that you saw in the budget? I think we, we just need to kind of fire a shot at the, the, the kind of perennial pessimists, you know, that, that kind of pervade our country, you know, lots of peas in that sentence. And I, and I feel uh, we're in a position where constantly having to kind of remind people that that don't make big, bad predictions predictions about about the future as if they're a certainty. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times I heard people saying absolutely certain that we're going to have a, a VAT increase last year and this year. You know, and, and, and I've mentioned the, the, the prescribed assets already. And so many people absolutely convinced that we were going to get, uh, you know, some kind of increase in personal tax rates. And then a couple of years ago, people saying, you know, cash in your retirement fund, send all the money out because, you know, your, your retirement funds are going to be nationalized in one form or another. You know, you can't send money overseas. All of that's turned out to be garbage. And, and so just, you know, again, I think be balanced in your views when you make these investment decisions. Read the, the budget speeches properly and, and understand them as a balance. They are balanced and they're, they're going in the right direction for a change. And it's, you know, two or three years of going in the right direction. That is no longer just a flash in the pan. That's a proper trend. Uh, I suggested last night that it's, it, the, 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 the strongest signal I got from this budget is that the, the grown-ups are back in charge. 
absolutely. You know, and I think uh, I think we might have said it last week that the grown-ups have taken over the stock markets again overseas, yeah. and now the grown-ups in charge of of, of treasury. It, feel, it feels like it's it's a good time to be a grown-up. Wonderful. Um, I'll I'll do my best. We'll rely on you though for the rest of this evening, Warren Ingram. More with him in a moment. Ronald's sent us a question. Ronald's question is worried about Ukraine, sensibly so, because it does have lots of knock-on consequences, um, not just in the third uh, knockoff of the Russian stock market today, not just in uh, a massive depreciation in the value of the ruble, uh, but in the real world of commodity prices, which include oil, which include maize, which include wheat, because, of course, Ukraine is the breadbasket of Europe. Um, and that's going to push up the price of absolutely everything, including then inflation and interest rates and, and, and. So good question, Ronald. Pick up on that one with Warren in a moment. The Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. From Galileo Capital and our regular Thursday evening personal finance guru, Ronald's question is the news about the inflation uh, of the inflation. The invasion of Ukraine has got me thinking about my investments. I'm nervous that a war might break out. Well, it has. And I'm not sure what this means for my investments. I read that gold may be a good option. It was this morning. Um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, says Ronald. Um, this this uh, conflict has got all kinds of permutations, Warren. How does Ronald and everybody else respond? I think it's important to understand, you know, the, the difference between kind of the, the human side and, and, the, and the real world side of this and, and the way that markets will respond. So, so the human side and the, and, and the human cost will be in, enormous and, and, you know, that shouldn't be downplayed. Uh, but on the market side, the, the markets will tend to react to a, a shock, which, which in a funny way, this is. I mean, I know it's been in the news for a long time and, and we'll look back at this one day and say, well, gee, that was so predictable. You know, since 2014, we should have known this was coming. But, but for now, it is a shock to markets and, and the way markets respond to, to shocks always is with a, a sense of panic. And, and that's, that is really what we've seen, you know, a big, big stock exchanges going down a lot. Commodity prices rising, uh, and and I think the two things to understand here is that that those that initial shock reaction could often be overdone. So so we could see you know I mean if we just watch the rand you know it was it was kind of um, flirting with b- below fifteen just before the news and and suddenly we get the news of the the invasion and now the you know the rand's flirting with fifteen rand fifty to the to the dollar and and the the real value of the rand in the next while will will, will come through it's it's certainly not right now the, the market just is is just reacting really emotionally so i think if you're an investor in this space uh, just understand that these initial moves are, are, are surely not a signal of of what the next six months or, or or two or three years looks like it's just a reaction right now so so don't make big moves in your in, in your investment decisions based on what you're seeing hour to hour day to day because this is not the, the future just yet uh, and so what markets will be doing is they're going to try and digest the information. Once they stop panicking, investors will start to look at this and say, what, what does it look like a bit further down the line? You know, is there really a sustained sort of damage to the infrastructure of the U- Ukraine that, that stops them producing, uh, you know, the, the, the food that, that, that Europe needs? Does that then cause, you know, proper food inflation? I, I, I understand that the invasion is happening at the beginning of planting time. So, so this, you know, the, the, this could be really bad for food prices. Uh, it, it might well be, uh, you know, inflationary across the world then. But, but again, we need to see that and before we make calculated decisions. So my, my advice to, to Ronald in a situation like this is just be really careful of, of kind of the, the, the big 
predict, predictions now because I think a lot of people will be making big mm. forecasts because that it feels good to do that and we'll trust them because they'll be giving us bad news. But we don't actually know the story. <laughs> and for me, you know, we'll I, trust them I, because they give I, us I bad news and they appeal to our biases. Absolutely. That's where it comes from. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so stay the course here. Don't, you know, one of one, I saw in his, in his question that he was saying he's considering stopping his contributions to investments. Don't do that, Ronald. I mean, the, the reality is markets are down. So, you know, your contributions are going in and bu- buying, you know, high quality investments, I presume, but, but, but certainly at a lower price than they were. The, NAS, the NASDAQ so is, I mean, people were saying, take all your money offshore, buy, 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 buy technology shares. It's like the future for technology. Look how incredible it is. And the NASDAQ, which is mostly technology companies, is now officially in a bear market, down 22% since November. So in four months, down 22%. Most powerful markets in the world, most powerful companies in the world, most charismatic uh, leaders in the world. And those companies are down by 22% in four months. It, it, at some point, this becomes a buying opportunity. Not yet, but at some point it does. Um, this is kind of a weird question that we've got this week in terms of, because I think we know, because we're South African, but I think you may have a different take on it. What is currency depreciation? It's when your currency falls on its face, but it's more complicated than that, is it? Well, uh, I mean, I think if we wanted the 30-second answer, that was actually the the... the the, the, the short, succinct um, explanation. It, it is actually when when one currency loses value against another, and because we're South African, it's something that we are familiar with, and and you know we we get most often the the quote is the rand versus the dollar. So you know when the rand is trading at fifteen rand to the dollar, and it you know it falls to fifteen fifty, that is that is the very de- definition of currency uh, de- depreciation in in action, and and as we can see that it happens either very quickly. In response to a particular event, or it might happen much more gradually, and and so when people ask, you know, what 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 will the rand do against the the, the dollar, the U.S. dollar over the next decade, the, the the trick there is you can't make big economic or political predictions because you just don't know what's going to happen. But what you can do is you can say, well, if the inflation rate in South Africa is higher than in the inflation rate in the U.S. and and in a normal course, that's exactly what happens. Not right now, of course, the Americans are struggling with inflation. But if that sustains itself, that the the, the rand uh, or the the inflation rate in South Africa is higher than America, then you know that the rand will lose value against yeah. the U.S. dollar by at least that difference in inflation rates. If, however, we get to a situation where Americans suddenly have inflation that's much higher than ours over a long period of time, there's a very good argument that the economists will start to say, well, that actually tells you that there is a there is a good chance that the dollar starts to weaken against the rand, which sounds unbelievable, but it could happen. Imagine. Uh, in which case, they, they have a currency depreciation problem. And if you are still unclear on what currency depreciation is, go and Google dollar-ruble um, and you'll find graphs which show you what happens when your loony president invades a neighbor and you lose a third of your value of your currency in a single day. It's dramatic. It really is. Warren Ingram, personal financial advisor, executive director, Galileo Capital. Thank you very much.